So what is God's will for our life? It's, it's a big question. Um, a lot of us wrestle with it as Christians. Um, the concept of it, we kind of wrestle with, what is God's will for my life? Some of us are like kind of lost and confused in answering that question too. It's like a big fog. Maybe it's overwhelming to kind of think of like, what is God's will for my life? Your life, my life, our lives. So this is a continuation of the big questions of faith that we've been looking at in this series. So let's look back at some of what Randy's been talking about. We looked at why do we exist? Or why does anything exist? For his glory. Revelation 4.11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. So it's because of his will that we were created. He didn't have to create us. He wanted to. He chose to. Other translations of this verse say it was according to his pleasure. He was pleased to create us. He was excited to do this. God created us and all of our creation to display who he is. His power, his might, that he's creative, he's imaginative, he's loving, he's awesome, he's holy. All of creation points to him. Just like if we looked at anything that somebody invented or manufactured, it says something about the person who engineered it or created it. So we were created not by accident, but with excitement and intention. God just didn't just like, yeah, poof, there they are. He was excited about us. And he created us with a purpose and a destiny. And the story of creation in Genesis, in the Bible, he says that we were created in his image. We have a free will. We have the freedom to choose, just like he had the freedom to choose to make us and create us. We are creative. We create art. We imagine things, and they come to be. We picture things in our head, and we bring them to life. And that reflects who he is. We create communities, civilizations, kingdoms, nations. And then we also have authority. We're created to rule. In Genesis, after God created man, he commanded us to rule the earth. And we rule as a reflection of him and that he rules all of eternity. So this is our purpose, and Randy phrased it perfectly. We were created to know God and enjoy him forever. That sounds pretty great, right? Simple and, like, put in the best way. Our whole purpose is to know the God who created us and to enjoy him forever. And we can be confident in this as, you know, it seems like, oh, man, that just seems too simple. But we can be confident in it because even when we used our own free will to turn away from him and go our own way and to sin, there was no way back. He made a way back through Jesus. He made a way through Jesus back to himself. John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. We were created to know God and enjoy him forever. So yeah, this is God's will for our life, right? It's to bring glory to him and to know and enjoy him forever. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to hear that. I'm excited about that. But sometimes, I don't know about you, but it's so general and it seems so broad. And as great as that statement is, it kind of loses its punch for me some days. Because it seems so general. And it's kind of overwhelming. It's like, okay, you exist to bring God glory. All right. That's the will of God in my life. Hey, buddy, do you know the will of God in your life? Yeah, it's to exist to bring 
glory and honor to God and to know him forever. But what I want to know and what we all want to know is how, how does this impact me specifically today? How does it impact me personally? Um, what's God's will for all the skills and talents that he created me with? All my likes and my dislikes? What's God's will for my specific life with my situations, my circumstances, my background, my occupation, my past, my future? I want to know what God's will is specifically for me today. I don't want something general. I want to know that God has a plan for me, Tim Seawalt, and everything that he's created me to be. Because sometimes you're like me, and you look at your life, and you're like, God, how is this going to bring glory to you? Sometimes I look at the mess of my life, and I'm like, God, how is this going to bring glory to you? How am I supposed to make this into something that brings you glory? It seems like a heavy burden sometimes. So we wrestle with it. We wrestle with, what is God's will for my life? But guess what? God does have a specific plan for your life and my life. And we, can, and we can do it. We can do it practically. And we can do it every day. So how do we know and determine God's will for our life? And it's the same for everybody. The answer is the same. Whether you're a new Christian trying to figure out who God is and what his plan is for your life, or you're an old Christian, or maybe not old not the best way to say seasoned Christian, right? We're, trying, we're still every day trying to figure out what God's plan is for our life, moving forward and what we're doing. Or maybe you're, you're a seasoned Christian that's kind of at a crossroads in your life. How can we know and determine God's will? So I've got three points to go over. Point number one, God wants you to know his will for your life. We have to believe that God wants us to know his will for our life. He doesn't want us to be confused. He doesn't want us to be overwhelmed with the thought of living for him and his will for our life. Randy set me up really well last week for my sermon. Thank you, Pops, this week. We talked about the importance of the word of God. This is the proof that God wants you to know his will for your life. It's the Bible. Who God is, what he's about, why he created us is all here. This is the revealed, written down Word of God. And this is not my Bible. I forgot it at home in the scramble to get here on time. So I picked this one up at the Welcome Center. And if you don't have one of these, get one. You need it. Because this is what you need to understand God's will. So this is the revealed, written Word of God. And it's for today. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, and is sharper than a two-edged sword, or edged, depending on how you pronounce that even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So we have to believe that God's word is truth, and it's not some reference, it's not a historical document, but it's living and active, and it's for me and you today. It's alive. Because God doesn't want his will to be a mystery. He says this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 10, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It was his good pleasure, the good pleasure of his will. He was excited to make us sons and daughters and to adopt us into his kingdom. To the praise of his glory of his grace, which he favored us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our wrongdoings, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. And all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure. He was pleased to let us know what his will is through Jesus. 
which he set forth in him regarding his plan for the fullness of times, to bring all things together in Christ, things in the heavens and things on earth. So his plan is to bring everything in your life and my life underneath Jesus, to where Jesus is the center, to where everything in our life points to him. And so God's excited about us discovering that as we walk that out in our individual faith and life. He's excited about revealing this to us. He says, uh, Paul says this in Ephesians 2, verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepare for, prepared beforehand so that we would walk in him. He planned it from the beginning of eternity, what you and I would do, the good works that we would do in our life, the ways that we would know him and grow closer to him. He planned that with excitement. So this is exciting. I don't know about you, but it makes me excited. It makes me feel less overwhelmed and bogged down in the fog of the details of what am I supposed to be doing with my life? God has a plan for me. You know, I don't have to get lost in the details because I don't have to know all the details. I can trust that he's working in my life. So point number two is that we have to accept and believe that the word of God has revealed his will and the word of God is also the standard that we live by. So, do you want to know what God wants to do with your life? Read his word. Read the Bible. Seek him in his word. Pray his word over the situations in your life. This is not only the proof that God wants to reveal his will to you, but it's the primary way he's going to speak to you and reveal himself. 2 Timothy 3.16-17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. God also wants to use the word to equip us to do the works he's prepared in advance for us to do. The great things, the awesome things he's planned for us to do in our life. He wants to equip us to do those things. God's word will instruct us and train us to accomplish his will in our life. The word also helps us to understand and discern what God's will is versus what our will is or the, the will of the culture of the times that we live in. Uh, Romans 12.2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. The will of God in our life is good, acceptable, and perfect. We can rejoice in that. And we renew our mind by seeking to know what God has told us in his word. So I'm going to use an example here. Marriage. What God says about marriage and sex outside of marriage. That marriage is the only safe place and the only place he wants us to have sex. To have that kind of relationship. And he created it to create life and intimacy between a man and a woman in marriage. And, but the world has got some really convincing arguments about uh, the financial uh, aspects of just moving in and living together, of not committing to marriage, um, that the, the religious and social constructs of marriage are just not valid for today. But what does the Word of God say? The Word of God said, this is the best thing for you, and this is the best way. I've designed marriage a certain way. I've designed the sexual relationship a certain way, and my way is the best way because I created it. And so we want to conform to God's will for marriage. And then, as we walk out God's will for marriage, 
we get to prove us just obeying God. We get to prove that God's will is perfect, acceptable, and holy. That it is the best way. It may not be the easiest way. Definitely not the easiest way. But it's the best way. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The word is what we use to determine and decide what steps to take, decisions to make in our life. It's God working in us when we say, Lord, I want to do your will. Let's say you've got situations in your life and you're trying to navigate it. It's God who is at work in you because you're submitted to his will, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. As we read and we seek him, we're using the power of the Holy Spirit. He is using the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us in our lives. And what's happening is as we seek the Lord and his word and we align ourselves with his will, we're actually conforming our wants to his wants. And sometimes this happens and we don't even realize it. But as you can look at yourself and your faith from 10 years ago or two years ago and look at yourself now and the things that you want and the things you wanted back then, you can see, oh, all right, my character is changing. The things that are important to me are changing. My will is starting to look more like his will. And that's why Hebrews says the word is living and active. It's changing us. It's conforming us to his will. And it's God working in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we're not talking about, like, what cereal to eat for breakfast, right? I mean, we could, we could wait on the Lord for that if you wanted to. But you know what? Let's just use food as an example. If we look at Scripture, we see that God created food to nourish us, for us to enjoy, to fuel us. And really, he created tons of things in this life to enjoy in different areas of our life. But at any point, if we put those things before him, we're no longer walking in his will in that part of our life. Because he says, you shall have no other gods before me. If we use food to medicate ourselves instead of turning to the Lord, that's, that's when that turns into a bad thing. That's not part of his will for our life. God's will for your life is never going to contradict the standards that he set in his word. When we're, we're wondering what the next step to take is or what to do in our life or a decision to make, it's, his will is never going to contradict what he has set forth in his word about his, the standards that he wants us to live by. Um, an example is we, we, uh, we continue to see Great men of God sometimes and mega churches uh, fall. Uh, there's affairs that uh, come to light. And a lot of these uh, guys, after the fact, if they're, when they're interviewed, this, even if after they've repented, they said, like, kind of what was going on in my mind is I was, I was justifying God letting me do this because I was doing all these great things for him. And that's not the truth. And that's not God's will for us. Uh, he's, he's never going to excuse sin and make, allow sin as a part of his will in your life. He doesn't want sin in your life. It's just, it brings destruction. And as it, we've seen it play out many times, it just brings destruction. So sin in any way is not God's will for your life. Uh, being a Christian and following God in all areas of your life, but then um, treating someone of a different class or uh, people group that's different from you, Treating them as less than, that's not God's will for your life. He wants us to love each other as I have loved you. Right? 
Um, using your influence and position to abuse others is not God's will for your life. No matter if you're a mega church pastor or, or the head of a company and you've been blessed and called to do this, called to do that, using your, your influence to abuse somebody is not God's will for your life. I mean, that seems, that seems pretty basic, but you'll be surprised what you can justify to yourself if you get away from the standard of God's word and seeking him in his word. You can justify anything. Uh, being a Christian and following God in all areas of your life, but not going to church, that's not God's will for your life. Because in his word, he says he wants you to fellowship with other believers. He says so in his word. That's the standard. Sometimes God's will reflects itself in his character and his attributes. It's not necessarily, hey, I want you to go to church. Um, don't be sexually immoral. He, he reflects his will in who he is in himself. Um, like he's, he's a good father. And because God's a good father, we need to be good fathers. Um, he's, he's an engaged father. He's not preoccupied. He's not uh, too busy playing Xbox. He's not too busy hunting or fishing. He knows what's going on with us. And that's why we need to be good fathers. That's his will laid out in his character and who he is. Um, we're good spouses. We need to be good spouses, loving, patient, kind spouses, forgiving spouses, because God was forgiving with us. The way that he loved us shows us and, and lays out an example for his will in our life. And that is his standard. We find that in his word. And so as we seek God in his word and understand who he is, we actually begin to understand his will in all things. So the question of God's will can be frustrating because we want it to be a certain way. Um, we want God's will to work for us. We want God's will to be convenient. <clears throat> we want God's will for, for us to be convenient to, to know. We want it to be convenient for us to find out what his will is. We kind of want to be spoon-fed sometimes. We don't want to have to seek, seek. We don't have to want to work for it. We don't want to have to pray for it. We also want God's will and plan to make sense to us and something we approve of. Right? We want God's will really to be what we've envisioned his will to be for our life. And it's frustrating. And I think that's sometimes why, as Christians, we get overwhelmed and bogged down about God's will. Sometimes we want God's will to look like it does in someone else's life. And that's not right. I'm never going to have straight hair. I've got curly hair. There's nothing I can do about it. I can praise as much as I want. But um, I can't use comparison. God willed me to have curly hair. There's nothing I can do about it. And we can't use comparison to determine God's will. Or whether we're, we can't use comparison to even determine whether or not we are in God's will. We can only use the word of God. Because even if it, we're comparing ourselves to godly people, we're passing judgment on what we see without knowing the full story. Because most likely, if you're comparing yourself to somebody, you're comparing your low point to their high point. And we do that all the time. It's called the Facebook reel, Right? Uh, it's all the best things, all the things you share, the, the highlights of your life. And uh, nobody's sharing. Well, there's, there's people who share the low, low parts, too. But generally, the things that make us jealous is like, oh, man, look at him. He's, doing, he's walking in his calling. Everything's going right for him. Oh, what am I doing wrong? Where did I miss it? But we can reference other believers' lives in the sense that if we look at them and we can see God's faithfulness, that's, that's the correct way 
to reference another believer's life. Um, because we're each unique in our gifts and our likes and our dislikes, and God created us that way. There's plenty of people, people of faith to reference in God's word, and God made sure that we would know their testimonies, and that's why he put it in the Bible. And he did that to help us understand how he works his will, because it might not make sense to us. But when we look at the picture of uh, heroes of the Bible like David's life, um, Job's life, we can see God working, even though those individuals couldn't really see it. So, it gives us hope, and God wants us to have hope. We can't always look at our circumstances or our current state to determine whether or not we are in God's will. We have to use the Word of God. Let me give you an example uh, of a hero of faith. Daniel, he was uh, an advisor to the king or emperor of Babylon, Darius. He was going along obeying God and everything he did. He was excelling in his life and his studies. Everything he touched was blessed, and he was bringing glory to God. And because he prayed to God instead of Darius, he got thrown in a lion's den. And uh, he didn't know if he was going to live or not. But he knew who God was, and he refused to conform to anything that he knew God didn't want him to conform to. He knew what God's will was. And so, like, you know, he could have said as he was being thrown into that den, I guess I missed God's will because I'm in a bad spot. But we can't use our comfort as a gauge for whether or not we're in God's will. Uh, Joseph. Joseph was called by God. He knew he was called by God to do great things as a teenager, but then he got sold into slavery by his brothers. And then he was falsely accused of rape. And then he was thrown in prison again. And so any one of us, I mean, I think I would have, if I was in that day, I was seeing like his life going to a wreck. Uh, I would have been like, hey, dude, you really kind of missed it. What did you do? You know, what'd you do wrong? But Joseph continued to believe God and trust him. And in the end, we see what he went through. And that, that was part of God's plan to get him where he needed to be at the right place and at the right time. I got a personal story for you. Some of you know uh, Lauren and I's adoption story, but in uh, 2018, we, uh, we were asked to adopt a, a baby girl, and we prayed through it. And adoption has always been something that was on our hearts, even as we were dating, we talked about it. And there's this family that asked us to adopt um, their daughter's baby. She wasn't born yet. And uh, so we walked through the birth mother with, I mean, through the rest of the pregnancy. And in fe on February 18th, uh, 2019, uh, the baby was born. And uh, we, we took her home with us and just started to adjust our life to, uh, you know, have, we've, we've got another daughter. Because all we had was Etta at that point. Um, <clears throat> And 10 days later, uh, the birth mother took her back. And it just crushed us. Because we, we prayed, we kind of, we prayed and prayed and prayed. Before we even made the decision to adopt, we said, Lord, if this is not your will, close the door. Um, we believe this lines up with what you put in our hearts, but we don't want to make anything happen. We, we, are, we submit to your will. We even said, Lord, if, if they agree to this, this, and this, then we'll know that you know, can you use that as a way to, to let us know that this is the right thing to do? And so did we miss God's will because that happened? No, we didn't. It was part of God's will. And I don't know why all of that happened, um, but I trust that God's good. 
and he has a good plan for us. Well, I do know one thing that happened is that it, when, when she left, it left a hole in her heart. And we kind of had decided that we might not ever have any more children when we had Etta. But that hole, we had to fill it, and it left room for Elias, our son. And now we have a son. And that, he probably wouldn't have been here if we hadn't have gone through all that. And I don't know why God chose that way to do this, but he did. And then there's also, you know, maybe us being willing and agreeing took abortion off the, the table as an option for, for the birth mother. And so that baby's alive. And while it's sad, and we're, we're still sad. We're still sad about it, because she's out there, but she's not a part of our life. We've lost a child. But we know God's good, and God still has a plan and a purpose for her life, because she's alive today. And we can rejoice in that. But that's what God's will looks like. It's not always comfortable. It's not always convenient. We don't know what he's doing, but he's good. He's good. Some of us are looking for guidance on whether to refinance our house or change schools, change jobs, put our parents in nursing homes, deciding what bill to pay. And these are really gray areas, and so it's, it's kind of hard sometimes to uh, what do I do, God? But God has promise after promise in his word, and this is why we have to use the word as the standard for God's will in our life. There's promise after promise that he will never leave us or forsake us. He doesn't call us to live for his glory and be like, here, here's the keys, don't screw up. No, he says he's with us. He's promised that all the hairs on our head are numbered, not just counted, they're numbered. Every hair you've ever had, every hair you've ever lost. They're numbered. He knows about them. Uh, God is intimately acquainted with all of our ways. In Psalm 139.3, he says this. In James 1.5, he says that if we lack wisdom in any area, we should ask God, and he will generously give it to us without finding fault. We can ask him for help. We can ask him to guide us. And this is what I meant earlier by praying God's word. Sometimes you have just to declare these promises and pray these promises over your life. Lord, you promised this, so help me believe. Show me what you're doing. Show me the next step. I know you know what you're doing. I believe that you know what you're doing. God, you know what fits me best. You know what's best for me. Philippians, and Philippians has said, for it is God who is work, at work in you to will, to accomplish his will. So point number three, in knowing God's will, do the next right thing. That's part of his will, of knowing his will is continuing to move forward to do the next right thing. Has God laid something on your heart to do? Is there an open door that you've prayed about? And it lines up with what God wants you to do in his word, right? And it lines up with the things that God's put in your heart, but you don't know what to do? Well, sometimes God is waiting for us to risk and to walk through that door. And he's not going to give you a guarantee of what's on the other side. But he guarantees who he is. And he guarantees who you are as his child. God is not always safe, but he is always good. So sometimes he's waiting for us to walk through that door. Maybe the next right thing is for you to walk through that door. Or maybe you found yourself in a bad circumstance because of sin in your life. And you realize you haven't been walking in his will. Well, the good news is that today you can repent. And you can receive forgiveness for your sins through the blood of Jesus. And the grace and the power to get up and realign your life with his will. That's the next right thing for you. 
Maybe there's an open door that you don't have peace about. The next right thing may be to not go through that door and wait on something else. God doesn't intend for us to rush through doors just because we're afraid of missing his will. Because sometimes we can get caught up in that. We're like, oh, God, I don't want to miss your will, Lord. Well, he's not going to allow you to do that. If your heart is submitted to him and you want to do his will and there's something you don't feel peace about, he doesn't want you to walk through that door. Because it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's him and you saying, hey, don't do that. Maybe some doors have closed for you and you don't know what to do next, even though you thought you knew what God was doing and you thought you knew where your life was headed and you thought you were walking in God's will, but now you're just crushed. But today is the day for you to ask God for comfort and strengthen you. Maybe that's the next thing. To pray and say, Lord, help me hold on to the promise of your faithfulness and love. Maybe the next right thing for you is to declare, even though you have all the voices around you, whether it's people or your internal voices saying to quit, to give up, you failed, you missed God's will, God failed you. Maybe, it's, maybe the next right thing to do is to stand up like Job and say, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Maybe it's to declare this over your life. And we know that God causes all things to work together for his good, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Maybe that's the next right thing for you to do, is just declare his promises over your life. But then some, some of us, we're just kind of like, you know, I'm just going through life, doing my best to juggle my responsibilities. Uh, nothing spectacular. I don't feel like there's some necessary like, call on my life specifically. I don't have anything to look forward to. Um, you know, where, where am I at? Well, be faithful where you're at. Stay at that job. Be a good father. Be a good spouse. Love the people in your life. Keep walking with the Lord and seek him. Seek him in his word. Keep doing the next right thing where you're at right now. And that's how we know we're in God's will. You're in God's will right now. If you seek his word, seek him, walk with him, and do the next right thing that you know to do. So how do we know God's will for us today? These are my three points. Believe God wants you to know his will. Accept that God has revealed his will and his word and do or continue doing the next right thing. Because here's the thing about God's will. This life and our walk with Christ through all the situation and the circumstances that we're going to live through, it's all rigged to turn us towards God and put Jesus at the center of our life. That's actually the purpose of God's will. God's will is that we are every day being conformed to his son, Jesus. So, this is my last point, that God's will in our life is more about who we are becoming than what we do or accomplish. That's God's will. It's about who we're becoming, more like Jesus. So, I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you so much that you have a purpose and a plan for us and a destiny, and that you're excited about our destiny, that you planned it with joy, and that you love us, that we're your sons and your daughters, and you're with us, you've never forsaken us, that all, all the, the hairs in our head are numbered, that you are intimately familiar with all of our ways, that you, are, you hold us carefully in your hands. There's no detail in our life that escapes you, Lord. We thank you that you're with us. We thank you for your will in our life. And we just ask that you would help us and open up our hearts to your word, God. Let your Holy Spirit work through your word and show us what we should do and everything, Lord so that we can bring everything under your submission 
and that Jesus would be the center of our lives and that we would point to you and bring glory to you, God. Help us, Lord. Help us to do these things and help us to be encouraged about your will, God. We want to be encouraged. Encourage us by your Holy Spirit to live this week the way you've designed and desired us to live. In Jesus' name, amen.